Good morning from me. Just to let you know my whereabouts for the next 14 days starting tomorrow, I'm off work um, to recharge a bit. And then I'm back, and then in February, I'm on jury service. So um, I appreciate your patience um, with whatever, wherever I am in the next few weeks. I was asking the Lord, what message should I bring on December the 31st? And what we'll do, we'll sort of look back and we'll sort of look forward. And I got a question for you, as we've called this the importance of church. Or, why should you join a church in 2024? Um, How would you answer this for yourself and other people? Ready? In 2024, how are human beings supposed to live? All right, have a think. How are they supposed to live? Or is another way, way of asking it, what's human life all about in 2024? How will it flourish? Mm. You might be one of those people that say, I don't feel qualified to answer for other people and how they should live. Is that you? Um, I think we all say that, but we all shout at like the TV and the news on how things should be doing better. So I'm not, I'm not allowing you to get out of it. Or we left family functions at Christmas and we said, oh, if only he did this different. You do that, don't you? So we might sound shy, how should people, humanity live in 2024, but I think you have got answers in there somewhere. But if you are shy, here's another way then. How should you live in 2024 to feel alive and truly flourish? What's your life going to be about in 2024? What's it going to center around? Right? You're thinking? And then if we all did what you say is the answer, would we all be better off? Right. Now more than ever in society, people answer that question down to personal choice. How does a human flourish? What's life all about? Well, it's personal, see? So, in the last few years, there's a popular movement about how we should live and be alive, and it's to disconnect yourself from everything, really, birthplace, any sort of circles that you've been handed down to, even biology, and just you go deeper in the search of what you are about in 2024. Maybe that's you. Others, when I was growing up, there was quite a big push for to tr- find true meaning in romance. Was that your answer? And to find the perfect intimate partner, and then you will be alive in 2024. Was that your answer? Or others now are quite disillusioned with romance for various reasons, so they now live in opposition to it and define themselves and their lives by self-development and self-protection. So you're going to do this in 2024 because everybody's let you down. Is that your answer? Or... You might think my life in 24 is going to circle around a powerful job, working long hours, earning lots of money, get my qualifications, and finally get the respect of my colleagues, peers, and rivals. Is that your answer? Or if you're young, you might, well, this might show that I'm out of touch, I'm going to be the best at yo-yo 
in the playground. Am I out of touch? Um, or skating, or conkers. I used to soak mine in vinegar for weeks. Or the best at the Rubik's Cube, or Minecraft. Just to be something better at something than that person in my class. And then I will feel fulfilled in 2024. Was that your answer? Or if you're not from the West and you're from Eastern circles, maybe your answer is more to do with family and dynasty, and you're going to live up to what your parents and grandparents are asking or sometimes demanding of you. And that will be your life in 2024. So here's my question again to keep you awake. How are you supposed to live in 2024? What's your life going to be all about? Let me ask it another way. Are you going to clean yourself up a bit in 2024? If so, how are you going to do that? And how are you going to sustain it? Lots of people asking these questions today, probably. I don't know if you spotted it in our reading, and it's also in elsewhere in the Bible, but God wades in to the issue of how does a human flourish in 2024? And he likes to have personal dealings with you, and that's sort of in the Bible, but that's only like a tiny bit of how he says humans flourish, which is actually much bigger than you and your God. And he's in the business of cleaning you up. My friend tells a story. Problem is, I was only half listening, I've forgotten half the story, so I've made a bit of it up. And I'm going to retell you the story, and it's all about what happens when a person meets God in 2024, which can be you today and tomorrow. And as ever, when I'm telling you the story, your job is to figure out why is Owen telling us this. Okay? Good luck. I think it's a true story. It was about a group of miners in the western states of the USA. They were the dirtiest men in all of America. They lived in dirty shacks and huts. There was a dirty old pub where they all came to drink their dirty old pints. And they were violent men, children. They used to beat people up. And together, they carried knives and weapons. And they murdered people. And they were full of wickedness. And one day... A woman stumbled into the tavern, and she was shouting, Help! And then she gave birth to a little baby girl on the floor of the tavern. And as she was giving birth, she died. So the dirty men said, What do we do now? There was no medical post nearby, and there's a newborn baby. So, this bit I possibly made up. These dirty men thought, what do we do? I know we'll send it to the nuns down the road. They'll look after it. But there weren't any nuns down the road. So maybe they didn't think it, because why would they if there were no nuns down the road? That's what happens when I try and flesh out the story. But the toughest man, Charlie, said, I'll look after it. So, Charlie took the baby home and cleaned her up. He named her 
after his daughter that he hasn't seen for 20 years because he had a horrible divorce. And he heated up some water in a bucket and got some soap, and he washed the baby clean. Then he opened up a little chest that he hasn't opened up for a long time, and he took out his one clean white shirt that he never has any use for. And he wrapped the baby in the white shirt, and he held her. And then he thought, where do I put this baby down to sleep? And he looked at his bed, and his bed was the filthiest bed in all of America. So he thought, where am I supposed to put this new life, this clean life? I can't put her on the dirty mattress. It's covered in alcohol and tobacco and all sorts of soot. So do you know what he did? He loaned the baby out, and he built a crib. It's nice, isn't it? Then a few days, he got the baby back, and he lay the baby in the crib. But then he looked around the room, and he saw the floor. And he thought, my new baby can't crawl on that floor. It's disgusting. So he loaned the baby out, and him and his friends, for the first time possibly in history, cleaned the floor. And then they finished, and they saw the walls the walls didn't used to look as dirty as they do now because things are starting to make them look more dirty. So they disinfected the walls and off came the soot and all the tobacco and the vermin and everything started to look clean. And then he thought, well, soon my little baby's going to be sitting up and crawling and she's going to look out of my window and see my dirty garden. So he loaned the baby out, and him and his friends built a fence and sowed some grass and flowers. And then do you know what happened? The neighbors, the dirty men in the dirty mining town started to notice how clean Charlie and his daughter were looking. And they thought, well, we don't have to live like pigs if Charlie's not. And I quite like those green flowers so then, one by one, the whole community started living a clean life. And here's my question. When did the change happen? The answer is, when the new life arrived in that dirty place. And it was a permanent change, which can't be taken back. And if you do like individual dealings with God, there it is. Now listen. The Spirit of God can make you clean right now. You and God, you can meet Him for the first time and your sins can be washed away and you're not blocked by Him anymore and you come to Him as a father when you trust in His wonderful Son, what He's done for you on that cross and you're pronounced holy, a child of God forever, new life. There's another question. Did the change stay in that one little place? No. And this is today's message. God is in the business in 2024 of growing change. Growing it. He's the great cleaner. He's into mass cleaning, mass hope, mass growth. Christian. New life is in you, you know. Did you know that? 
you're righteous, but that wants to come out. It wants to reach further than just you in 2024 in your personal little quest to life. It has these tentacles which spread because Jesus is the great cleaner of souls, but also lives and communities. That's how Jesus gets to work. Here's another question to keep you awake. Where is the work of Jesus in 2024 mostly done? Did you spot it in the reading? I'll tell you a secret. Children, cover your ears. At the moment, I'm not allowed to clean the walls in our house at home. Well, that's where our house is, isn't it? Well, no, it's not a house at home. Anyway, I'm not allowed to clean the walls. Here's why. A little while ago, I thought, that's a dirty wall and it's quite high up. So I found something to reach up there. It was a mop. And um, found a mop. It was wet. Scrubbed the walls. I thought, well, this is all right, actually. I'll do this for the whole room. Turned out the mop was dirty. And now we have dirty walls. And now I'm banned from using the mops on the walls. Because men, pay attention, not allowed to use dirty mops on walls. Okay, it makes things worse. And in 2024, lots of people will clean up their lives for a few weeks in January, and they'll aim for something, and they'll clean themselves up. But you know what? They'll use a dirty mop. Do you know what the dirty mop is, according to Jesus and the Bible? Themselves. Because the Bible says we're too dirty unless we've got Jesus to clean anything up, because we're sinful. And the Bible says there's only one cleaner, real cleaner of the soul and the body and lives and communities is Jesus. It's not us. It's Jesus. He's the clean one of us. And also though, this is where the message is going, his body is clean once it's connected to him. And his body is called church. In Titus chapter 3 verse 5, it says this, the work of the Savior Jesus is this. He washes us and brings new birth by His Holy Spirit. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, it says this. Christ suffered once for your sins, the righteous one for the unrighteous, the dirty mops, to bring you to God, to actually know God. But here's the message today. As we're trying to answer, what am I going to do in 2024? His work is greater than just you on your own. Because when he moves, he spreads like a marvelous cleaner. When God moves, it shows. I got another story as there's lots of children. Let's throw this one in. I had a friend once. It's not the end of the story. I used to go to his flat in Pont Prenai and play shooty games on the PlayStation 1. Shooty games. Do you know what they are? They're brilliant. You shoot things on the PlayStation 1. Hello, Barney. Barney's looking for someone. He just poked his head through the door. And it was our dark and dingy man flat. And he had a little Darth Vader bobble hat in front of the... Uh, bobble head on the TV, in front of the TV... And he used to walk past a little Darth Vader bobblehead. Did you get one for Christmas? And he'd tap on his head and he goes, and he was brilliant. Kept us entertained for hours. He used to bobble the little head. 
But then something terrible happened. You know what happened? One day, a lady appeared. Girlfriend. And then shortly after that, he got married. You know what happened after that? The lady moved in to the dark and dingy man flat. My life was ruined. <laughs> Do you know what she did? She opened the curtains. <laughs> you know what else she did? She brought in scented candles. Do you know what she did to the Darth Vader bobblehead that I used to go like that to? She moved him to the side to make way for a wooden decoration which spelt kutch. Did you get one for Christmas, ladies? And he began, at least by normal human standards, to flourish. I've been reading about some psychologists who analyze relationships, and there's something called the Michelangelo effect. The Michelangelo effect, and this is what happened to my friend in my dark, dingy friend's man flat, apparently it happens in relationships. You craft each other like you're chipping away, like Michelangelo used to do with marble. You, you chip each other away into what you want each other to be, which, if it's a healthy relationship, should be the very best version for both of you. Like Michelangelo would see a lump of concrete or whatever, he didn't just see a lump of marble, whatever it was, he saw potential for wonderful art, so he chips away, right? Okay, apparently married people do it. In 2024, you will be shaped in some way or another. You will. You won't be stagnant. And I'm going to come to Ephesians in a minute. According to the Word of God, there's one who does the Michelangelo effect on humanity better than anybody else because he has purer motives and he's a safer pair of hands than even your closest friend or loved one. And his name, the great sculptor, the great cleaner-upper, the great flourisher is the Lord Jesus Christ. And in 2024, he will do it for you, if you want him to. But here's the message again. He doesn't sculpt you alone. It's a group sculpting. Now, let me reread Ephesians with great emphasis on God's idea of what a flourishing life looks like in 2024, let's have a little bit of a run-up. Here's Ephesians 1:15 again. For this reason, I'll use this version. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you, church, the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better in 2024. I pray, what an ambition this is for the new year, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you have been called, the riches of his glorious inheritance for his holy people. 
and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Those are great things for 2024 for people like us. And now we're tapping into the answer to my first question, what's my life all about in 2024? And he carries on in verse 19, that power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he, the Father, raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority on the earth, all powers and dominions, and every name that's invoked, not only in this present age, but in the world to come. Now, are you ready? What was the point of God's raising of Jesus from the dead and all that mighty strength that he exerted? What is the point of it all and of your life truly? Verse 22, and God placed all things under the feet of Jesus and appointed him to be, ready, head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. My dear friends, it's December the 31st. Let us, in 2024, take God at his word, and he says, church, God's people together, is where God is fully known. And where people are cleaned up. And where humans are changed the most and become sculpted to be most like Jesus. So I venture to say, the answer to the question for me in this message is, we'd better include church in our plans in 2024. I'm not too far off the end, children. I'll tell you something else. Last week, I was reading the Sermon on the Mount. And here's a quiz for you children or adults to shout something out. There's a sentence that we read it earlier in Matthew 6, verse 11. It's about daily bread. What's the missing word? Give us this day, our daily bread. Do you know where knowing God begins in 2024, or even this day? Do you know where it begins? I mean, in one way, this is a pointless sermon, like about 2024, the year, because according to the Sermon on the Mount, God hasn't given you a Christian year. He's just given you one Christian day at a time. Your life can only be lived one Christian day at a time. And do you know where knowing God begins? It starts in bed, for me, at 7 a.m. And if he gives me more than one day, those days will build up through the year. And my alarm goes off at 7 a.m. What does your alarm sound like? Mine sounds like this. Dad, can we watch TV? I say, no, it's a school day. And then I begin to mutter to my heavenly father from the pillow, Heavenly Father, this day, everything I have is yours. You call the shots, off I go. It's all for you this day. Help me to remember Luke chapter 16, which says everything that the world values is detestable in your sight. 
and everything you value, the world hates because it lives for itself and pleasure. But this day, I believe that if I live for your pleasure, I will flourish. Help me to do what pleases you. And do you know what happens at 7 a.m. plus one minute? I get out of bed. Because you don't stay in bed all day, do you? And you know what happens then? It dawns on me that this Christian day, I have been saved not just for myself and my own life, but to serve others. You've been given a family in your Christian day where God, according to Ephesians, delights to show himself fully. And the people on the seats next to you, unless they're visiting, those are the ones in 2024 that together you will be sculpted and you will learn more about the living God. You need to serve them for your good, and you need their prayers, their care, and their wisdom, and their tellings off and together, the walls, the cots, the floors, the curtains, and the gardens of our lives become saved and holy. And then you'll go off to work, and you'll think, do you know what? Work's okay, but oh, I miss my family that I've been saved for. I'm deeply connected to them. I need their prayers, and I'm going to pray for them, and I'm going to ask their advice on this issue. I need their company. And you'll find in 2024, you just can't wait to meet with God's people. Do you know why? Because you breathe the same air that they breathe now you've met the great cleaner of heaven, because they've been cleaned too. And they speak the same language of you. Some married people apparently finish each other's sentences because they know each other so well. And they even laugh and smile uh, quite similarly. Oh, by the way, do you know what I did this Christmas? This might be overdoing the closeness, but um, when people gave me a Christmas card, I took it home, or if it was, if Rita handed me and I, did, I said, don't tell me where it's from, then I would sniff the envelope and I'd try and work out what house it came from. Have you ever done that? Is that taking it too far? I, th I got one or two of you as well. Well, according to Ephesians, when it comes to God, it takes the group who know each other well, to know him the best. Because you bring things about his personality out and his character in your life that I don't. And Paul in 2 Corinthians says, oh, you know you went through that thing? We learn loads about God because of what you went through. And you know we went through this trial? Well, you've learned a lot about God because it takes a group to know the individual, right? And in the Bible, we read Jesus died not for an individual, for church. This is the great work of the cleaner. Church is his body. This is how we belong to the head. And the whole conclusion of the world will be when Christ brings together his entire wonderful church. So I close, and by the way, I better say this, I also know that church is one whopping big headache. But it was when Paul wrote, I thank God for you, saints. In fact, it was more of a headache when Paul was writing his letters than what we went through last year, is one big, whopping, glorious headache. But that's where he does his work. And so, I'm going to ask some questions, and then I'm going to close. Children, you can answer this. What happens when you let a Labrador 
out of a kitchen and onto a beach in West Wales. What does a Labrador say? Woof. It's not a great question, is it? Well, I'll tell you what I said as she ran off. She said, I'm, I'm made for this. Whoopee. I mean, she didn't say it in English. <laughs> Children, what happens when you let a salmon out of a tank and into a river? What does a salmon say? Splash. He says, I'm made for this. This just feels right. Whoopee. What happens when a human is let out from the shackles of sin to follow the perfect law of God in 2024 with their church family around them every step of the way? Do you know what they say? More than they say with other lesser ambitions. Do you know what they say? I'm made for this. Whoopee. Well, they don't if they're Presbyterians. They leave the whoopee off. Dear humans of 2024, are you in a pit and a mess? Churches where sins are confessed and the blood of Christ is applied, James 5.16. Do you want to feel clean and say, this feels right? It's church that we see baptisms and people saved. It's church where we eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ who carries us through one day at a time and he'll raise us up on the last day. That's church. Are you scared in 2024? Why don't you join church where together we cast all of our cares on him because he cares for us? And people say, "Ah, this just feels right. Do you want to know more about God, but you're not very good at reading the Bible on your own? Do you know what you need? Church. Because together we're sanctified by the truth. And God's word is truth. Do you need to pray more in 2024 and say, it just feels right, but I'm not very good at it. You join God's people and pray with them and continually, earnestly in prayer, being vigilant with thanksgiving. Are you scared of commitment in 2024? Me too. Let's help each other, therefore, live out this verse. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another as so much as the day is coming. And the final word will be Bilbo Baggins. It's a dangerous business, Frodo, going out of your front door. You step out onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. Well, God willing, we'll be here, walking together, keeping our feet on the path towards the high calling of God for another year. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.